Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Roshar? This is Steven and Phantology with our final pre-release Rhythm of War episode. I'm super pumped. So it's a week away. Been waiting all year. Been waiting for like three years. I, I don't remember exactly when Oathbringer came out. But this is a really exciting time that Phantology and myself personally have looked forward to. For most of the year, 2020 has been a dark time. This has always been that beacon of light towards the end. So I'm pumped for next Tuesday when we get the book. I'm hoping it gets dropped off at my doorstep right away. There's already someone on our Discord who mistakenly got the book somehow, and they're already reading it. So stuff like that is happening. People are learning the story. There's been some reviews coming out from Daniel Green and Murphy Napier about their reactions. They were generally positive on the book. I'm probably going to like it no matter what, so I'm completely biased. But I'm super pumped, and Ventology is going to do our due diligence towards this time. So our next few episodes are going to be Rhythm of War Primer, which we're going to record this week before the book comes out, and Oathbringer Review. We probably should have done that sooner. We're, we're going to get it out before Rhythm of War, so you can have that at least going forward into your read of book four. And then Dawn Shard Review. I'm about halfway through Dawn Shard, got it with the Kickstarter backing, and I've been making my way through about 200 pages long so it's a pretty quick read and i've been really enjoying it so far so that might actually that review may come out after the rhythm of war actually comes out yeah that's fine you know we'll, we'll try to do our best and then we're going to review each part separately so we've got all of part one out thus far we can probably do a review right away of that and then we'll try to continue our regular re release schedule through all five parts and then uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be done with the book. And, and I guess we'll be back, you know, waiting for book five to come out in, in another three years or so. But at least we, you know, we have 1200 pages to get through. So can't complain too much. So that all said, I'm going to review chapter 19, I promise. And then we'll, we'll talk more about the rest of the book. If you like Phantology, you can find more of our reviews online at www.phantologybooks.com. Dot com. Our full catalog is there. We've, we've covered a lot of stuff by now. We're, we're hit coming up on 100 episodes by the end of 2020. So odds are, if you like fantasy books, we've covered something. We've covered Harry Potter. So that's that covers 100% of the listening base. And then if you want to support the channel, you can do that at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. So chapter 19. I'm guessing this is going to be the end of Navani's lecture series. Usually each part starts with a different sequence of epigraph. I think epigraph is the word. Each part starts with a different sequence of those. So in this one, she wraps up the lectures and says, Hey, Thalens, I know you guys have a secret technique of removing stormlight. I'm sharing my stuff. Please share with me. There's a little bit of this in Donchard. I'm not going to say any spoilers for Donchard, and I'm only halfway through, so... 
I can't really spoil all that much, but I will point out a few things like, hey, this, you know, this this ties back to Don Shard. And now that now that I've read half of it, I can see that there's quite a bit of that in the early part of this book. So I would say it's it's pretty much a must. Uh, it's pretty much much a must read. I would say. I mean, if you're like service level, you just want to get the story, you might not need to read Don Shard. But I'm really enjoying it so far, and and I would be, I, I think you'd be remiss not to read it. Anyway, going into the chapter, so it starts off. It's Navani point of view again. Some people on the Discord were not super excited about this. But I think that the Navani point of view makes sense for some of the stuff we're seeing in this chapter. Maybe not like a super sexy point of view in terms of, you know, it's not all that exciting. And Navani is, uh, you know, a little bit more of a balanced character that doesn't have the same type of passions and isn't as unhinged as some of our other favorite characters. So maybe not quite as entertaining to read, but I think I'm going to be liking her more. By the end, I've heard that we are going to get more of her point of view going forward into the other parts as well. And I think it makes sense for the action of this first part to see things through her eyes. So I like it. They're looking at the the big pillar right down in the basement of Yurthiru once again. And Rushu, our favorite ardent, is trying to figure out how the, the suppression Fabriel that Kaladin got relates to the pillar. They find the same pattern of gemstones and then they kind of stall out there so we're still trying to figure out your theory like can we get on with it a little bit i'm getting a little frustrated at the slow progress of figuring out your theory i really want this thing to come alive and so uh, it's it's just frustrating not getting any progress there but that's okay i i think by the end of the book we'll get it and it'll be a really nice payoff they do learn some things so the suppression fabriel has a corrupted spren basically running it that's that's trapped. The, the way that it works is a corrupted spread similar to Renarin. So that unmade uh, Sja Anat, probably butchered that pronunciation. But do we really think it's on our side? I mean, now we have these corrupted Fabrials that the unmade are using that are powered by this unmade. And I know that it's told Shalon that, hey, you know, I, I want to help you guys out. Eh, a little, little bit questionable. Still not uh, sold on the unmade being on our side. We still don't have anything from the Span Read writer that contacted Navani earlier. I guess it's still, you know, we'll get more, but that's been set up so far. And uh, Navani thinks about it, but hasn't got too much further into that mystery yet. We do get some hints and set up for the invasion, which we already know is going to happen because we've got the other point of view. That's the advantage of reading the books sometimes and not being a character because the characters don't know that the invasion is coming and they don't know the Dalinar and Yasna should not leave the tower, but they're going to. That's towards the end of the chapter. And so Navani is staying behind. The invasion will happen. And my theory, the Pentology guarantee, is that Zeth will be the hero. He will bust out of his prison and save the day for the Radiance and your Thiru. The engineers, through Navani's perspective, we get a lot of these advancements in technology. So this one's cool. The engineers have developed this kind of personal movement device. I don't really know what to call this thing, but you put it on your wrist and you point it and you pull the trigger and it's going to move you. And the way that it works is it conserves the energy spent by the, you know, the brute force of these guys pulling on a big rope and that conserves the energy. And then you pull the thing and you can push yourself along any plane. So the advancement is using aluminum. They're able to, I guess, redirect the energy in whichever way they'd like 
And so ultimately, what we're going to do with this is pilot our ship, pilot the fourth bridge in however, whatever direction we want to. Right now, we're just scooting ourselves along, kind of like being a little bit of a windrunner, self-made. But uh, Navani already knows how she's going to do this. She's got this system of windmills and pulleys and weights ready to really kind of take this up to the next level. I'm not sure if I really followed all of the physics here, but I believe it. Maybe if that was more of my professional background, I'd get more into this. Just kind of reading this is thinking, oh, you know, this is fun and I'm glad that they figured out how to do it. I kind of believe them. I haven't really thought too much about how the energy actually works, but I believe that Brandon has. So good enough for me. After this, we go into a coalition meeting featuring creepy Teravangian, who has fully discarded his whole guise of being a doddering old man. And I guess this is one of his smarter days because he still does have the days where he's dumb. Obviously, that's the whole thing with the Night Watcher and him. His strategy here is he's taken ownership for everything he's done. He's willing to be the leader that just wades through blood and takes it all on his shoulders and is ultimately going to do the right thing to save humanity, right? Or not, because we know from the end of Oathbringer that he is working for Odium now, but our heroes don't know that. So there's this whole thing of like, do we trust him? Do we not? And like, obviously we're screaming at them, don't trust him. It's so obviously, it's very, you know, like as a reader, you know, don't trust this dude. But the characters are trying to, you know, take advantage of this powerful guy in whatever way possible. Ultimately, I'm worried about this. Dalinar's worried about this. He reflects later on in the chapter about his experience with Sadius, and he doesn't want this to happen again. And so hopefully they can work it out, but I'm I'm very concerned. There's a lot of similarities here with Teravangian being kind of this leader that waits through blood and is willing to do all these things to Dalinar. And Dalinar's like, ah, you know, he's so close to realizing what a leader is, but at the same time so off. And I think it's an interesting dynamic and discussion here. I think we have some potential for some really good political drama, but I still think Sanderson doesn't do it quite as good as like our top level Song of Ice and Fire intrigue. Like reading this, these politics, I'm, you know, kind of interested to see what the characters do, but I'm never really on the edge of my seat like someone could be offed at any moment. And maybe that's just the brand of A Song of Ice and Fire compared to Stormlight. But I really do enjoy that really real top level intrigue. And I think it would be fun to have here. But, you know, that's not how Brandon writes his books. So in the coalition meeting here, we're talking about the offensive into Emil. And this is supported by everyone, surprisingly, including Teravangian, even more surprisingly. You know, previously he'd been very defensive and noncommittal. And the mink had pointed this out about Teravangian's troop locations. But here he's like, yeah, sure, I'll go along with you. And so this is further unsettling our heroes, Dalinar especially. You know, why is Teravangian suddenly on their side? One thing that, I, I don't know, maybe struck me a little bit was that, how do you say his name? Yan, Yanagawan. Oh, gosh. All right. Yanagawan probably wrong. Uh, he speaks perfect Alethi when doing his whole speech through, you know, his acceptance of the offensive and stuff. But then Teravangian surprises them and comes in and says, hey, I'll go along with you. And he continues to reply to that in perfect Alethi, almost, almost 
put on your tinfoil hats here, almost as if he knew what Teravangian was going to say and had prepared for this. Later on, he breaks script. I think when he's talking about getting snacks or something, immediately he goes into this broken Alethi. So how did he know what to say when Teravangian surprisingly agreed? Is there something going on here? Or am I just reading too much into it? It feels, I don't know, like I, I can't really dismiss that in any way other than he knew that Teravangian would be going along and he is in cahoots. So we'll see what happens with that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm just trying to grasp at straws here. I want something to happen. So Kaladin's not there. Sigzil impresses, impressive performance, despite Navani previously kind of dismissing him. She realizes that she had made a mistake. Ironically, because Sigzil was a man and because he just wasn't all that flashy. And Navani's like, you know, actually, Sigzil does have a lot to offer. Thank you, Navani. That's a nice little internal dialogue to get. Sigzil's idea here is that, hey, we need to send an envoy to the Honor Spren because these guys are very proud and the uh, the recreants wasn't really all that far back for them, even though it's a historical event for us. And so let's go and send them some gifts and beg their forgiveness and tell them we need help because they like helping people. And so in creating this envoy, we're immediately throwing Yasna out because Ink Spren are apparently not the ones for this delegation. Lyft is out because she cannot behave herself. The rest of the Windrunners are out, obviously, because they've kind of gone against what all of the rest of the Honor Spren are doing. We do get Adolin and Shallan, obviously Shallan, because she has some ulterior motives to getting down to that Honor Spren stronghold. Don't remember the name of it offhand, but that's going to happen. Uh, Godeki, the Edge Dancer, who's named after Sanderson's beta reader who passed away, is apparently going to be a larger character here. He's going with him into Shadesmar. And we're going to get another random truth watcher. I think they said there were three or four, if I remember from previous chapters. So that's going to be a new character. And we get a Stone Ward. Honestly, maybe I missed this, but apparently there are Stone Wards now. I couldn't remember from previous chapters if they had talked about there being Stone Wards or not. But not only are there Stone Wards, we're going to get one. So we're finally going to see the powers on camera. I'm excited for that. We'd previously seen this once in a vision where Dalinar was interacting with an old Radiant Stone Ward. I think he was climbing up a cliff or something like that. Stone Wards have always been one that I'm excited to see. They just seem cool. And then the close of this chapter, we get more on Navani and Dalinar's relationship. It's a great relationship. It's a very adult, mature relationship, not in terms of you know sexual content, but more in terms of just how they interact with each other and who they are as very established people. You have very two established people coming together to form a beautiful relationship. I think this is great. They worry about Teravangian together. They discuss Navani being left behind as Dalinar goes off on this offensive with Yasna. And are we worried that this is their last night together? Because obviously we have the raid coming in. We know from previous books, characters are not immune. Sorry, Elokar. So could Navani die? Could Dalinar die? It's, it's possible. And I think we can't just dismiss that, even though Stormlight does tend to not kill characters as often. I think it's very possible. I mean, think about another parallel to Game of Thrones. If you just think about the very beginning and then characters that leave, I don't want to say any spoilers at all, but do we have a similar thing 
happening with Dalinar and Navani. Is this their last night together? And that's the end of part one. So, wow, we got 19 chapters. I think that's a few fewer chapters than part one of Oathbringer. But again, it's all out before next Tuesday when the whole book is out. Couldn't be more excited for that. So excited to read this and get reviews out to all of our listeners here. A few questions going in. We're going to talk more about this stuff in, well, maybe in our uh, review of the end of part one. Our Rhythm of Our Primer will not have any spoilers for the pre-release. So these questions will be addressed more when we cover part one in depth. But the questions to ask yourself here as we close, what's going to happen with Kaladin? What's he going to do? Is he, is he going to be a soldier again? Is he going to be a surgeon? I'll give you my predictions off the top of my head for each of these questions. I think he'll be a surgeon for a little bit. I think the raid will happen. I think he'll realize he's got to do something a little more, I don't know, out there. He, he's got more to offer than just be a surgeon. Uh, sorry, dad. What's with the attack that the singers are mounting on your Thiru? Obviously, that's going to happen. I'm guessing Venli, Venli said she's going to be a part of it. And Phantology guarantees that Zeth will save the day somehow. Shalon and Adolin are going to the Honor Spren. What's going to happen there? That one I'm really interested in. We don't know as much about Shadesmar. I think I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of the area. I want it to be more of an established setting. And Shalon is going to be faced with a interesting choice here as she has to fulfill her obligations to the Ghostbloods, but at the same time, she can't just be sneaking away from the delegation, right? So something's going to happen. That could go anywhere. I'm really excited for that one. What's going on with Shallan personally? The balance of her personas. I think Phantology guaranteed earlier that she had another secret persona that was really the real one that had been causing all the problems. We'll see what happens there. I think that may be a little dark. I don't want to back off of our guarantee, but at the same time, yeah, we'll, we'll see. So what about Dalinar's offensive here? I think it, it seems to be the right move. But Teravangian's going along with it, which makes you think it's the wrong move. And Odium knows about it. Odium kind of knows about everything, apparently. But, uh, you know, according to what the Mink was saying in the previous chapter, it seems like a good strategy. But I'm worried. And your Thiru, is it going to awaken? Gosh, can it already? I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be awesome when it happens. And so I hope it happens sooner rather than later. If we don't get in this book, I may be a little bit upset. That may like knock the entire book down a, a solid point. So if it wasn't eight, it's going to be a seven. If you're through, doesn't wake up. Who's writing to Navani? What's going on there? I really have no idea. No idea. I guess a Spren, maybe, because they're mad at imprisoning other Spren. Maybe an Amian. Uh, after reading Donchard, that seems like it could be a little more possible. We get into Amia quite a bit. And then finally, Teravangian, what's going on there? What's Odium's play here? I've heard from the previous, uh, from reviews from Daniel Green and Murphy that this is more of a setup book. We're getting into the penultimate before the end of the first sequence. So I think by the end of this one, we'll really have things laid out and then maybe we just like duke it out for 1,200 pages and the Oath Pact finally gets reformed in the next book. But those are my theories. Check out more Phantology online at www.phantologybooks.com. Like I said, we're, we're dedicating ourselves to Cosmere stuff, to Stormlight stuff. So please tune in if you're a fan. Let us know uh, your theories. Chat with us on Discord. Invites are in all of the social media postings. So you can find, uh, you can easily chat us up there. We have channels just dedicated to Rhythm of War and the previous chapters. And we'll be doing a read-along on Discord so you can throw out your theories, etc. All behind spoiler tags. It will be safe. 
don't worry about being spoiled. So thanks for listening. And I guess this is the last one, so there will not be any more pre-release chapters. But I will be talking more Stormlight in uh, not very long. See you guys.